Welcome to the Optimist Chronicles, your emotional safe space to explore and be whoever you are and feel all of your feelings. I'm your host, Anna Marie Green, clinical therapist, expert anxiety coach, intuitive healer, and soul-led optimist, here to bring you all the topics and conversations to help you become more of yourself and see life in a more positive view. Let's get it. Happy 2023, guys. How are you? It has been a time and it has been a a minute since we have conversed and had wonderful, loving conversations that open the soul. (laughs) I think my last episode was in September and it has been just a wild ride since then. So this episode is really going to be We're going to catch up a little bit and I'm going to also share with you guys the three to four things I learned from 2022 and I definitely feel like a lot of the things I learned happened in the last half of the year. Um, I mean, I learned throughout the year, but I just, just the most wild things um, in, in a good way, in a good way, but also in like an emotional way. And so there's just a lot to catch up on guys and I have a lot to share. I am also really excited because I have lined up the coolest guests for you guys and they're going to bring the heat for you. And I mean that in like the heat for your soul, it's going to relight the fire in your soul and just make you feel so seen and heard and like change the way you think about things. I'm very excited. And yeah, I because I find these people very inspiring. So let's start to get into it. Okay, so let's start with the first lesson. And this one is particularly, I don't want to say that it's the most powerful one that I learned, but kind of, it is. And it is really relevant to what I do, yes, as a therapist, but also like as a coach, as an intuitive healer, and just living as a human. And, you know, I, I think it's one of the things that I have gained the most insight about what I want my life to look like from this lesson. And it has led a lot of the decisions that I've made in the last six months, as well as the decisions I'm making now for the next six months. So, this one, so this first one is the power of emotions. And I know that I talk about it a lot anyway. If you are on my Instagram page or you know me in general, emotions are one of the most powerful things ever for human, especially for humans. It is how our soul communicates with us. And, I, and I've talked about it before. And even though I talk about it and I teach it to other people, This year was really a year of embodying the things that I have been teaching about, which like if you're a coach or you're a therapist or you're a teacher or whatever, and like whenever you are educating somebody or helping people to become better versions of themselves or to reach certain goals, there is this like this process that happens, right? Where you learn, you know, the information from where, from however, whether it is like intuitive downloads or you know you studied it um, and you have experienced it to a certain extent but there's kind of these phases where 
you get the information and you can apply it really well when it comes to other people. You can you say, okay, this is, this is what's happening. Here's how you're going to start to fix it. And it works well for other people and people have great results. And you're like, this is something that works. What a great thing. I feel so great that I can offer this to other people, but you don't do it in your own life. You're like, oh, that's great that it worked for them. For me, we're just going to ignore our personal life or we're just going, it's different. It's, they're different. And, you know, and they have me to help guide them. Who do I have? You have yourself too, girl. You have yourself too, person, girl, what, whoever is listening. But I was not in that space. And it taught me a lot about what I actually want. That, like that truly embodying the power of emotions. And what I say by that is not just knowing that emotions are important to be felt or not just knowing that emo- emotions are important to acknowledge and to process, but that without emotions, we're living a half-lived life. With, uh, without letting ourselves feel the emotions in their most authentic and raw forms, and recognizing how they feel in our body and recognizing, taking the time to sit with them and asking it, like asking our emotions, what is it that I am feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And what do I need as a response? Like what is, yes, processing it, but what needs to happen in the future? Because each emotion is giving us something different. The ones that feel heavier, you know, our anger, our, our sadness, our discontent, jealousy, rate, like all those kinds of things, all those emotions, those heavier ones that a lot of times we're taught to avoid are so important and so vital. Like you should be able to fear more, feel more things than just fear and contentness or fear and joy. Those are not the only two emotions. And we're taught like survival wise fear is a natural thing. Fear helps us survive. And we have it because of biological backgrounds of like needing to fight for our lives and blah, blah, blah. And the adrenaline. Yes. And fear has its place and it's time and it is important, but that's not the only emotion that you're supposed to gain information from. You shouldn't have to be afraid in order to have a pivot in your life. You shouldn't have to be afraid to figure out what the next step is. But a lot of times, because we we zero in on you're either joyful or you're fearful, we only let ourselves feel fear as the, as the other side of the coin. Um, and fear creeps into a lot. And fear as an emotional energy, like how I see fear, what I've learned from connecting to fear on an energetic level, is that fear is stagnancy. It's stagnant energy. We cannot grow, we cannot shift or adapt when it comes, like when we're sitting in a place of fear. Fear requires, um, like living our lives through fear does require a level of consistency and it also dims down, you know, our soul's natural light. And that is, that is by design. Fear is protective. It's to help us survive. When we're worried about surviving, we can't grow into our biggest and brightest selves because we have to preserve. We have to be alert. All of our energy is being used to see, to feel, to hear what could be coming, a threat that could be coming. Um, But that is, all of this is to say is so many of us, myself included, grew up being taught to not feel your feelings too deeply or, you know, don't let them determine your life. I 
remember growing up and my dad specifically saying this, like, don't ever let them see you cry. Don't show emotion, emotion, showing emotion to other people outside of your house is, is weakness. And if you can be, especially be a woman who is not super emotional, oh my gosh, you are going to, you're going to get through life and it's going to be great. And you're going to be able to do anything. I was taught from a very young age to try to disconnect from my feelings, even though I was also regularly told that I was dramatic or I don't cry too much, don't whatever. And that's not, you know, my parents, that's also how they learned to survive. So it's just what they were passing on their wisdom from their life experiences. We are taught to not let ourselves feel too deeply because it could uproot you. It could change you. But that's by design. Our emotions are supposed to change us. They're telling us what is important, what is what is the direction we are supposed to go and focus our energy. This this lesson from this year is without emotions, live you're living your life half lived. It's not numbing, dulling down your emotions, ignoring them, trying to change them into something else for the sake of convenience or fear. You aren't fully living life. If you are not allowing yourself to feel your feelings fully, you're not truly experiencing life life is full and I know I talked about this on a different episode not fully feeling your feelings is like dimming down the the vibrancy of the colors that you could see on the tv and getting closer and closer to only seeing in black and white and sure you can still watch tv you can still watch a movie that's in black and white there's a whole genre of black and white movies and at one point you could only watch black and white movies isn't the experience totally different and feeling a lot more alive, feeling a lot more there when it is in color. And there, there's psychological, there's science behind the difference, the differences that black and white movies versus movies in color give to you. It's the same way with emotions. If you are dimming them and you're not letting yourself feel them or you're ignoring them, you're going to feel like there's something missing or life is never going to feel completely yours to an extent. And the way that I learned that this year, a lot of these lessons actually come from the relationships I have with other people and because people are the best mirrors. There were a lot of things this year that I, this past year and, and in years previous that all came to a head this year that I ignored, instincts that I ignored, feelings that I felt so strongly, but I was like, no, that's not going to work. That feeling doesn't make any sense. That emotion doesn't make any sense. Talking myself out of emotions, whenever you have to convince yourself that you don't feel some, that you don't feel something or you feel a particular way, that is a huge emotional red flag. Why do you feel it has to be the other way? Most of the time, it's because fear is taking over. And when fear is taking over, you're not making decisions. You are not choosing things in life that are going to bring out the best opportunity for joy, the best opportunity for you to feel alive and and to feel loved and to feel loved by by yourself, but also by like the universe, by God. And I was taking that away from myself this year because I was so afraid and I wanted things to be a certain way. So I ignored my feelings. I ignored when things made me angry or something didn't sit right or my energy felt drained. Because one, and once you start doing, you know, the emotional work, the heavier, softer, not the softer side, but the, the inner stuff um, in life, it's very hard to turn off. And so I had already started doing that, you know, with my healing journey since 2020, it's just been continuing. And 
I was at the point where until like a month ago and stuff, I was choosing something because I was afraid. And even though what I was choosing would give me stomach aches and I knew I was like, this, this isn't for me. So I past year, I tried to dumb, not dumb down, dim, dim and numb box in my emotions keep them neat and tidy and tidy let let a little bit out but not too much don't don't feel too much you know you'll you'll mess everything up and what if what if it is worse on the other side and what i created was this experience where i felt caged in and nobody else was caging me in but myself and um that really, it, it all came to a halt over Christmas, um, for me. And that's what I, I realized. And I, that I love myself too much to live life in a half alive state. And I deserve more than that. And, and so does anyone else. So do you. But when you ignore your feelings, you are limiting yourself to half living and you do deserve better. Everyone deserves better. This is your life, your beautiful, vibrant up and down, sometimes scary, sometimes sad, sometimes infuriating life. And yes, it is sometimes all of those things. And those emotions are heavy and uncomfortable but they yield change, the type of change that allows the colors to be so vibrant in your life. The things that you experience, the joy and the love that you will experience will feel, it will fill your body if you are not living in a half, a half state <laughs> and you're not ignoring the other emotions. You can't only numb some emotions. You can't only feel some emotions. And this kind of leads me to, to my next point, which it's actually not like the in order that I wrote them down, but it's a good jumping point. Is the, the second thing that I learned was that the most powerful thing to have in this entire world is community. And I knew that. Like in a way, you know, back when we were like, Yeah, I know friends and, and your village is and your village is important and I especially knew that on um a parenting level. Like as as a, as a single mother, your village, your community makes or breaks your experience it it does and it it is the most vital thing a single mother can have it is the most vital thing any parent any person can have we are not designed to live life isolated but and i you know i've had friends and i have this wonderful beautiful support system i've always had a wonderful beautiful support system since i was young whether it came to my epilepsy or you know my i have this beautiful family or, you know, friends and stuff like even college, I had, I've just always been fortunate enough to be in these such like just great communities and, and great support systems. But this year it went to a deeper level, you know, part of me starting to realize that I was not feeling some of my emotions. I was ignoring them. And then I was creating this half-lived life for myself. And then I just also that I deserved more was having this new community that saw me in this new way. 
uh, not even this new way, but that just saw all of me, that I let see all of me. Because it's not that my, the other people that from before didn't see me or wouldn't see me. It is that because I was learning these new things about myself and I was, I was insecure and I was coming out of fear, I didn't feel comfortable communicating those things. And so I was isolating myself. I know you guys know I joined Soul Teacher, which is a certification program, a um, intuitive healer course, three-month course with Nikki Novo. Part of the beauty of this course is the community. And I made a commitment to myself that I was going to let the people that I interacted with in this space see all of me. The flaws, the things I was afraid to share with other people in my personal life. And I did. And it allowed me to have this space to recognize how I was truly feeling without judgment. It it was very, very powerful. And it allowed me then to start showing up authentically in these other spaces as well. But community is what helped me to feel safe enough to feel the full extent of my emotions. I made this decision to end my previous relationship at the end after after Christmas. And I had been really struggling for a while. My community is the one who got me through it and who helped me detach from the fear that was gripping me and and also helped me and and are helping me with mourning the end of that relationship and adjust without a sense of community. I wouldn't have been able to step into who I am and to take that leap of faith and to trust my own emotions. Part of having a community is having people who help to mirror certain relationships for you, but also who give you this loving container to just exist and feel whatever you feel and make decisions regardless of what they feel is right and wrong. Not one person, but not one person was like, oh, if you don't do this, it's like was annoyed by the choices that I made or was annoyed by the fact like they might give me advice and me making a choice, a different choice than their advice didn't bother them because it, it was my own. Um, and I have to live with, with the choices that I make. So if you're listening right now and you are like, I know that I have feelings that need to be felt. I know that I am struggling with, with allowing myself to exist and to feel things because I'm afraid. Um, it could be you're afraid of anything. Finding a community is the best thing you can do, including if you want to take yourself point A, like, okay, say you have a business idea, for example, and you want to start a business and you're like, okay, I want to learn as much as I can and blah, 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 blah. Taking a course that has a community has so much more value because you're, you're also getting that community is invaluable. You cannot like, I cannot stress this and stress it enough. Anytime that we are making a huge shift, whether like, it's like, I want to run a marathon. I want to do this. Like I have this big goal for myself. I want to make this big change. There is a level of internal work that has to be done. Emotional work that has to be done. And uh, otherwise that ceiling you're going to, or there, you're going to hit a ceiling right? You can do all the things, but if there's not feeling behind it, if you're not doing the internal emotional work, you're going to hit that ceiling and then you're going to stop there. And there's no, you're not going to be able to get through it without doing some of the emotional work and having a community allows you to do some of that emotional work, allows you to find connection and to see your own experiences with other people 
it's just this beautiful, beautiful thing. I was telling someone specifically about that, that level of you don't just need to learn the information for what you want to do. You need to find people who are going to help you and support you and love you on the days where you don't want to do it anymore. On the days where fear is just so heavy, on the days where you're tired, on the days where you are sad, on the days where you have other feelings besides this, like, this is what I want to do. And I'm so motivated. And I'm like, have all this energy right now. That's not something you can sustain yourself on. We're Humans aren't meant to feel euphoric all the time. You are meant to feel all of the things. That is what makes you alive. If you were euphoric all the time, you still wouldn't feel alive. And then you wouldn't even notice that it is euphoria because you don't feel anything else but it. But that. Having other emotions, the polarity of emotions, is this beautiful divine process. The depths of grief are on the other side of the depths of love and how deeply you love somebody or something or or um, anything really mourning is your and and i'm actually in the process of experiencing this right now and did this relationship and it was it was process you know we tried to make things work and really hard and it was the end was not at the fault of either of us. It just, we deserve more. We, we deserve for it not to be so hard and to be able to feel like we can be ourselves and not have to limit ourselves. One of the things I'm learning, and, and I was in this relationship for two and a half years, is that I had been emotionally and energetically moving in this direction for quite some time. I got to a point where I was like, okay, it's got to happen because we've tried you know, everything at this point, we can't, we, both of us can't live, deserve more than to have a half lived life. So I had reached this point emotionally and and energetically. My physical body was not ready. (laughs) And, and what I've seen of sadness, you know, I've, I've talked about the underlining, the energetic, what's happening energetically with when we allow ourselves to feel sadness, like sadness is the soul adapting to physical changes and uh, and we see a lot of times we seek out community in sadness because that helps us adapt that helps us to move forward it helps shift our energy but something else that i've just recently learned about sadness is that sadness is this beautiful cleansing process that's why sadness we associate it with blue even though i'm sure that there's like more human reasons why we associate sadness with blue but on an energetic level blue is cleansing blue is equates to water and water is cleansing and healing feeling sadness and allowing it to full you to fully feel it so it doesn't get stuck anywhere in the body doesn't get stuck anywhere is incredibly cleansing and what it is doing and it is helping to realign your soul your body and your mind because when there's sadness a lot of times that means that there's something that's misaligned. So for me, my soul was the first one to like recognize this shit. <laughs> then it was my mind that had to make the adjustment and my body came last. This process, my body was also like in, in our earthly, our bodies are, are what ground us in the decisions we make and the things that we experience, all that kind of stuff. It was not prepared. And so a lot of what I was feeling was very physical sensations um, after the breakup where I was like, I would have these terrible stomach aches and I was like, and like the sadness came from a very physical level where it's crying and it felt overwhelming because the body was so out of alignment with 
the rest of where I was. That's where I, I really learned about what sadness is doing for us. And the beauty of sadness, and one of the things that I've learned is many of us don't know how to feel a feeling without attaching a narration to it or a prediction about the future, so to speak. So a lot of us, myself included, will feel a feeling and then predict something about the future for ourselves. And that is fear coming in to the emotion. And when we add fear into the emotion, it gets stuck because fear is stagnant energy. When we combine an emotion such as anger or sadness with fear, it's going to get stuck. And it's also going to determine our behaviors and all these different things that then keep us kind of stuck in either similar patterns or similar circumstances. And that was really hard to override. (laughs) I remember the day after I went on this call with this beautiful group of friends and I was knee deep in sadness. I was just like, I think I'm okay, but I feel really sad. And I'm, and then, and then that's when I heard the fear and they called out the fear or I said, I'm really scared. What if I did the wrong thing? Because all of a sudden fear was starting to take over and fear was starting to come to the surface. And I wasn't even sure where the fear was coming from. But I realized that part of this intense sadness and why it was like stuck was that fear was starting to take over. And my, my beautiful, beautiful friends helped me to recognize that part of the intensity of the sadness is, is the fear and to be able to like let it go and to create a practice to to sit with this something i i tend to do when i'm coming from a very fear induced space is i second guess myself i'm like well how do how do i know this is right and when i'm coming from a fear based space because my primary anxiety language is overachiever i have this slight i'll just i'll call it an obsession with choosing the right thing and part of that does trickle into secondary anxiety language recently has been actually controller, which has been fun because I don't usually, <laughs> in con- the controller anxiety language, my anxiety doesn't usually speak through that language. So I started to second guess myself and I, and I do, I'm like, well, how do I know this is the right choice? Why, why can't I just be happy with what's in front of me? Why, you know, who am I to desire this thing? And, and really second guessing the most authentic parts of myself and that is what really which brings us to lesson number three that i don't say i don't know you know the phrase i don't know responding with i don't know is a fear-based response it is a survival response unless it's like you know genuine like square root of eight thousand five hundred and twenty-four. i don't know <laughs> i have no idea i have no fucking clue that's different but when somebody is asked, well, what do you want? Where do you want to live? What do you want to do? Even sometimes like, what do, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> not, not as, not as much as the, the life questions. Right. And the response is, I don't know. I don't know. And it's like the automatic response. Snap out your fingers. I don't know. And it's kind of said in like a exasperated way. Even if you, even if your tone doesn't sound like that, but you feel like it's an exasperated response. Maybe that is a fear response that is a survival instinct don't you don't commit to anything because what if the answer is wrong and it is not even a survival instinct for other people because a lot of times our survival instincts 
are triggered by other people because like, you know, we don't want the other person to hurt us. This is especially for yourself. It's all about your internal stuff because committing to something means that you could choose the wrong thing, so to speak, or this idea that you could choose the wrong thing and fearing what the future has in store for you if you choose the wrong thing. And that's because we were raised to, that there's right and wrong. And I mean, there is, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to hurt people. (laughs) But more importantly, this idea that there are right and wrong decisions for, for your life, for your life choices. To me, where I was at was, okay, you know, the severity of what I was feeling things when I was making choices. One of these cakes is poisonous and will kill you. And the other is just a dessert and you're going to feel great afterwards. And it's going to be wonderful. And you'll see rainbows and fairies and blah, blah, blah. Like life or death, you know, these two extremes. When we, in reality, most of the time, these choices that we're making are like, here are two different kinds of cake. Here's a chocolate cake and here is a strawberry cake. Both of them are desserts. Both of them could yield great results. One of them might not be as satisfying as the other one because of your personal taste buds, but you will still end up with a delicious dessert in the end. It just might not be as satisfying. I was in the first one where it was like life or death, these extremes. And because of that, it was, I don't know. I don't know. I'm afraid of picking one because like, oh my God, what if I make the, the wrong one? What, if, what if, it, if it kills me? What if it destroys everything? What if the world explodes because I choose the thing that I want to choose and it's the wrong one? What if what I want is wrong? And that was one of the things that, that came up for me was a, a lot of times when we say, I don't know, as this response for things. Because we re- it's because we're refusing to connect with a certain part of ourselves that does know. We refuse to see the part of us that does know the answer, that does know what we deeply desire and want. But we feel like it is a wrong choice because of what other people have said, because of, of things that we have seen externally. And we are afraid of the change, that allowing that part of ourself that knows, that part of ourself that wants this thing to come to the surface and that is because most likely, and especially in my experience, we have been denying and we have been shielding. We have been disconnected from that part of ourselves for so long. So it does feel like a job. It does feel scary because we might have even been running from this part of ourselves. But when we start to do the work, the internal work, and when we start to work towards these huge goals, these you know, the ones that we've been like, oh yeah, I'm dreaming of this. This is what I want. Other stuff starts to unravel too. And that's okay. But the, I don't know if that, if you were somebody, somebody's like, what do you want? What do you want to do when you grow up? Or what do you, what do you, what's your ideal job? Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you, where do you want to live? I get that one all day. Do you want to stay in Michigan or do you like want to move back to Pennsylvania? And it's always, I don't know. I don't know right now. I don't, I know. I freaking know. There's sometimes when I'm like, ah, oh, this would be nice. Ah, oh, this would, oh, this would be cool. Like I, in this moment, I feel like this could be cool. I also know. <laughs> and the, I don't know is when I don't feel safe enough to speak what I actually know, which also tells me 
but I don't feel safe with the person. And it doesn't really matter that much when it's like a stranger or an acquaintance, but when it is family, loved one, and you realize that you're saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. To try to neutralize the situation, you don't feel safe with that person. You don't feel safe enough to be yourself to to let that person see where you're at. And you might even feel afraid to tell them the answer you know they don't want to hear, which means you are afraid to let them see you. And that is hard for our bodies to adjust to because when we don't feel safe, when we don't feel like we can be ourselves, when we have to have that fear response of I don't know and deny parts of ourselves, shield parts of ourselves, we are then that is when anxiety comes on. That's when anxiety starts. It's like, oh, anxiety. We're, we're not. We're not feeling safe. We're gonna take over real quick. Survive. 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 And when you start to feel uncomfortable, and you will feel it in your body, you will feel it. Emotions are felt physically first, even before we cognitively realize what the freak is going on. That was a really big epiphany for me. Fun fact. <laughs> and this memory just like popped in my head. The word epiphany. I did not realize it was spelled the way that it is spelled. I have not had to spell epiphany many times in my life, but I say it a lot. And I have this friend. I don't know if, if he's listening to this podcast. His name is Devin. I, I was using the word epiphany with him, but I was spelling it. Or no, I was using it and then it was spelled. And I was like, I just discovered a new word. Epitome. <laughs> and he's like, you mean epiphany? And I was like, oh, it means the same thing as epiphany, but it's different. He's like, it is the same thing. <laughs> And I would like to thank my public school special education teachers for teaching me to pronounce every single word, every single letter in a word. (laughs) So sometimes I mispronounce things. I'm sorry. I just wanted to share that little like memory because it brought me joy. (laughs) Okay. Back to the meat and potatoes. (laughs) So... The I don't know fear response is something that I just recently like learned in the last couple months. And it's also something that I have recognized in clients. So I had a client the other day who um, I was doing anxiety coaching with and he kept saying, I don't know. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want a year from now. I don't know what I want five years from now. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> there's a lot of like wounds here then from the past. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, yeah, um, anytime, if you're saying, I don't know, you know, and uh, like, why wouldn't you know? And well, I don't know what the thing's going to, so you're afraid of what the future might be, which is why you feel like you don't actually know, but you know what you want. Anything else, any of the, well, I don't know, what if this happens or what if that happens? And so I don't know what I want because, yes, you do. You know what you want. You just don't know what the future holds and nobody does. And I mean, and I say this in a loving way. I realized my tone was a bit more serious than normal, but nobody knows what the future holds. But you making choices and creating your life around fear is only going to ensure that the future is filled with fear and the future lets fear win. And nobody deserves that. You deserve the opposite. So I want you guys to really challenge yourselves to recognize when you're using, I don't know how you're saying, how does it even feel when you're saying, I don't know. And what are the circumstances in which you're using it? Which leads me to the next lesson that I learned, which isn't as big as the first three, but it's the fourth one. Inconsistency is a sign of unprocessed trauma. Otherwise, as I like to call it, 
intense emotional events because a lot of times when people think of trauma they're like oh my parents didn't beat me or my parents didn't leave me or I wasn't like like abused and that kind of thing trauma is just when you had an event that was difficult for you to process emotionally on 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 a mental level on a spiritual level on a physical level that it was hard for you to process that emotion so you disconnected from it in order to survive whenever there was a survival response in order to cope with the emotion that is trauma whenever you didn't know how or what to do with the emotions because the thing was so big it doesn't matter what it is because it was so big to you that is trauma so when you are unable to be consistent it is your trauma knocking on the door and I say this from my own experience also working with clients which recognizing this in my own life have helped me with clients the reason that is is because when we have unprocessed emotions when we have unprocessed trauma intense emotional events it's stuck and so something is off within our bodies also our subconscious response to this survival instinct and so we are behaving we are interacting we are existing in a survival state when we are existing in a survival state at the core we don't feel safe because we are just trying to survive the the threat has not been eliminated because the feelings haven't been processed and so we're kind of responding to things as if we're still in that zone a little bit it can be numbed right it can or it can not even that it's numbed it can just be accepted and and then we just kind of go on as business as usual until we can't or until something triggers it again right and then we have this really big response that's like totally it could be out of pocket or just be like misaligned with what's happening um but it also prevents us from being able to adapt and and being able to move forward but surviving you can't be consistent when you're in a state of survival you cannot um and even you might be able to in some areas of your life but in other areas you won't be able to be consistent your body and your mind are trying to eliminate other threats as well it's just trying to help you to survive so that you can do the inner work it also impacts focus so like a big thing i see with people who are like i think i might have adhd because i've even thought about about myself but whenever i'm like stressed or even i'm like there's stress it's i'm in a stressful environment i can't focus because my body feels unsettled because my body is like we need to be on guard all the time we need to um we need to be able to to be aware of any potential threats so you're unable to be consistent because your mind's like yes i want to do this oh what if this like this could happen over here and this could happen over here and you're trying to split yourself in different ways consistency is really hard it is hard to just to show up every single day for something it is hard to show whether that is like it doesn't have to be a food thing it doesn't have to be i said food thing it doesn't have to be a business thing it doesn't have to be a career thing it can show up in food a lot of ways i see especially women and i do see a majority of women that's who i work with the way their inconsistency it doesn't happen at work it doesn't it doesn't even happen i mean their businesses yes i see it more in businesses but it doesn't happen at work it doesn't even happen with their friends and stuff it happens with how they treat themselves how they are or 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 are not showing up for themselves are you like say you have a goal of like i want to eat you know i want to make sure i'm getting enough protein i want to make sure i'm doing whatever and then not being able to stay consistent with it or 
you know, I'm, I'm doing this because this makes me feel good. I'm going to continue. I'm going to show up for this in this way every single day. Consistency is hard when you, when you feel like you are just surviving, it is hard. And a lot of times, even if we are we're thriving you know like say you have a job and your job pays well and you're not but emotionally you are because you have this unprocessed trauma you have these unprocessed emotions you're gonna react in a similar way where it's hard to consistently show up that is something that I have had to that I had to recognize mine was showing up in the way that I show up for my own self-care and things like that but it's also with just goals that I have for myself where I could not, I was really struggling with the consistency of stuff. I would have energy, I would have energy to do it this day, but then maybe not like this, the same time next week or things like that. And, and I wouldn't work through that because I, because of this survival stuff. And what I realized was that there was this, un, these emotions that I was ignoring. So again, the half lived life <laughs> that came from the past, but also from the environment I was creating right now of like ignoring my emotions for the sake of survival. And it was just trickling out everywhere, including with how inconsistent I was. And that's because I was inconsistent with myself first. I learned a lot this year, guys. And I know I only told you guys four points, but I just... I was telling my friends and I was telling my mom yesterday in the car, we just drove back to Michigan. I feel so different. This, the start of this year has felt so different than any other year that I have started off on. It feels a world of difference. And I, yes, I feel like I'm still me, but I feel more myself than I have ever felt. I feel so loved and grateful and just even though I will have these other feelings about stuff and the, and there's still fear there and, and things of that nature, but it feels different. The way that I'm responding to things, the way that I am showing up and showing up for myself feels so different. And that really, it did. It started with me joining Soul Teacher in July and then going on a business retreat in December, them being this expansive support system but also learning, not even learning more about my soul, but just letting it fully come to the forefront and choosing, choosing to stay on that level, which has been hard. But I have done so much work in the last 45 days, especially. Uh, I'll have to, I'm going to have another episode down the road where I talk about this new practice, this new daily ritual that I have for myself that I got from the retreat and how much it has shifted. And it actually inspired the programs that I'm creating that I have been using with clients that have yielded so much success. I've been able to move so much emotion and change these behaviors. And I am so excited. And the reason I decided to do the program is because all of a sudden, all of my clients had like similar things that they needed to work out, which means I also had similar things to work out. And so I was like, okay, I've been doing this thing. And now I'm seeing clients have these transformations. And and because of the things that I have implemented, like these, this strategy that I've implemented. So that'll be coming up. And I also, I really want to do a good job at sharing what this program is about for you guys. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit on one of the episodes or, and, and, I'm, and I'll be marketing it. I'm just, I'm kind of slower with the marketing stuff because there's a little, still a little bit of like fear and things like that, but I'm very, 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 very excited. But I have these goals feel really good and they feel like they're from a heart space. 
and I just feel like I'm coming from a totally different angle this year so I'm very very excited and I thank you guys so much for being here and listening to my podcast I am so excited to share what is coming up in the podcast all of these wonderful speakers that I have lined up for the first quarter and all the things to come this year guys you get a front row seat at some of these things these these goals i'm also entering for my astrology peeps i'm entering my saturn return this year in march i'm very excited i know that's a weird thing like if you know astrology like entering your saturn return isn't people talk about it being like catastrophic like it just tears tower moments all left and right and i'm like wow i am so excited about whatever is in store for me over the next couple years. I feel like it'll be a lot, but I'm excited. <laughs> um, so I'm excited. For, well, I am enthused. I'm trying not to use the same word over and over again. I'm enthused for you guys to join me on this potentially chaotic journey to enlightenment and just like living life to the best of my ability and staying connected with my inner optimist and raising a five-year-old. Have a wonderful day, guys, and I will see you next week where we will be, um, the next guest is, oh, she's so exciting. Her name is Emily Jacobs. So I will see you guys next week. If you have any questions or if you want more information on the anxiety languages or anything from this episode, you can um, head to any of the my social media links or you can reach out to me via email and we can chat if you have any questions you can also head to my website i do have uh, my i opened up my calendar for anxiety readings this month if you don't know what they are uh, there are different videos on my instagram page where you can find out kind of what they're about and if if it's kind of the right thing for you essentially it's where I get to beautifully combine my clinical therapy experience, coaching experience, and my intuitive healing abilities. And I read your, the energy of your anxiety. I get the language, the root, uh, the roots of the anxiety, um, what it's trying to communicate, what part of your soul is your anxiety protecting, and then how to use your anxiety to manifest. And also that you will leave with specific steps on how to heal those and process those root causes that are holding you back so very exciting stuff and i cannot wait to meet and interact and work with all of you have a wonderful wonderful week and start to your new year i'll see you next wednesday bye